On today's episode, Busaka's just a little bit bent out of shape because another one of the local mom and pops have went out of business. Chuck's Steakhouse, been around since uh, for the last 46 years, went out of business this week. Busaka's not sure how to handle it. Stay tuned. Listen to Busaka on the Real Guy Podcast. Clear the airwaves. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is the Real Guy Podcast. Thanks for tuning into the Real Guy Podcast. This is Captain Jeff along with the shepherd, Stephen Busaka, today. And Stephen is like totally upset. You want to tell him why or you want me to tell him why? Tell him why. <laughs> tell him what. No. Okay. First of all, set it up for him. Tell him how bad you're upset. I'm pretty freaking pissed, dude. Pissed or upset? Pissed. Okay. Which I think is worse than upset. Hmm. So let me tell you guys why. So, if you've been to Fort Lauderdale or you live in Fort Lauderdale, you might, you're probably familiar with Chuck's Steakhouse, okay? Staple of Fort Lauderdale. It's been here for 46 years, right? And they just announced that after 46 years of business, they're now closing. Mom and Pop. Right. We talk to you guys about this all the time. Is closing. I actually, and for me, that place really kind of has a special place because... Um, my dad used to, when I was younger, when my dad, he used to come pick me up when he was at work on his lunch breaks, and he used to take me over there, and I would always have lunch with my dad, and I did that for years. So that place actually has a real special place in my heart, which makes me even more pissed about it. So your dad brought you up going to Chuck's Takehouse. Years. For years. Years. And it's, you know, it's, I mean, it was always clean. The service was always fantastic. Um, dude, they have one of the best salad bars I ever have. And, you know, I'm going to sound corny, but, dude, it's hard to find a good salad bar. Dude, dude they did have the good salad bar. Growing up in Fort Lauderdale, Chuck's, Chuck's Steakhouse has been a staple. Now, we moved here in 1975. Chuck's Steakhouse was going strong back then. My mom brought me to Chuck's Steakhouse. My wife who I've been with for over 30 years knows that Chuck's is on my list of restaurants that we fr- we would frequent. And we didn't even know Chuck's was going to be closing because of, I guess, COVID pretty much. Yeah. Um, we didn't know it was going to be closing. But my wife and Scott Bursa's wife got together and they said, what are we going to do for the guys for Father's Day? So they booked at Chuck's Steakhouse, knowing that Bursar and I being just, you know, regular Joes, you know, we're fans of Chuck's Steakhouse. And it was just like a no-brainer. Like, you can't lose. Everything on their menu is good, dude. They have phenomenal chili. I was always a big fan of their chili, their burgers. You couldn't go wrong at Chuck's, dude. I mean, the the food was great. It wasn't, like, exceptional. It wasn't Ruth Chris Steakhouse or nothing. But it was good quality. But it was good. I mean, you don't want every restaurant in the world to have a hundred dollar steak on the menu or a sixty dollar steak on the menu every restaurant doesn't need to be blue moon fish company you know what i mean the blue moon's <laughs> not blue moon's not that bad it can oh, be you guys it. probably went into blue moon and acted like you were freaking the mafia and started off oh, ordering gosh, all sorts of appetizers and fancy well actually we did i know you did <laughs> I, well, it, was, it was my dad's birthday you know yeah. so it was you know i know you did I know you did. Because <laughs> then you looked at your bill, and you're like, Ooh. I thought I broke a window or something like that. You yeah, know? That, that's, that's pretty typical coming from you guys want to be 1980. Oh, here we go. <laughs> but no, it's it's sad. It's sad. and, and It sucks, and, dude. 
it was already happening here in Fort Lauderdale. We see it way too often. It's another one of those examples of how the small mom and pop, you know, are having a hard time making it, you know, in the in the, you know, in the bigger cities. And, and let's talk about the fact that you got that disgusting Olive Garden. I'm sorry to offend anybody out there that likes Olive Garden, but it's not disgusting. I think it's horrendous. I'm sorry. Dude, it's not disgusting. It's just like you don't compare. Well, think about it. You don't compare Olive Garden, you know, with. Uh, There's some people who think that's real Italian food. Some people, but a lot of people. But I'm just saying, you don't. I mean, it's, it's the same thing. You don't. You don't compare Ruth Chris to Chuck Steakhouse. You don't compare. Uh, I think. I think freaking Chuck's was better than Ruth's Chris. I don't think so. I'm not a fan of Ruth's Chris. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> But every you know everything has its price point. Everything has you know, uh, like a Ruth Chris type steakhouse. You go there once a year. Uh, Chuck's type steakhouse. You go there four or five times a year. Yeah, or even you once mean? a month. Or lunch or whatever. You know, it's yeah. like you know pretty pretty normal. At least for like you know your average Joe. I mean, if you're some rich freaking corporate dude, you can do whatever you want yeah, whenever you, go there you want. Every week. But most real guys are pretty much just you know regular dudes like you and me. But the the sad thing is is I knew. I knew going forward that the small mom and pop was going to get crushed during this COVID thing. And you bring up the Olive Garden, and the Olive Garden goes after the same exact clientele, meaning the price point's basically the same. Yeah. The old people that live in that part of, ta- part of town basically are the same. I'm sure that a lot of the people that go to Chuck's on a consistent basis go to Olive Garden on a consistent basis. Probably. And I'm sure Olive Garden is probably sucking wind and cash flow pretty bad it's a big corporation but it's sucking wind and cash flow as far as its daily operations right now but because it's a big public company they're going to get a bailout not going to get a bailout they have stock and they can raise money by oh, issuing... they'll, be, they'll be fine right and that's what upsets me they're going to be around but the freaking poor small mom and pop the guy like chucks which was my point at the beginning of all this they have all the stimulus money Right, and places like Chuck's took the stimulus money like three or four months ago now, and they've been waiting. Not that they wanted it or whatever, but they needed to survive, or they're going to go down. Yeah. And my whole point was, I figured if the government, <laughs> how did Marciano say it? If I ruled the world. <laughs> Got to say more with the accents. Well, and I and I don't want to ba- just I don't want to you know bash the government like you know they should have been perfect this whole time through, but it was always to my opinion that especially here in in Fort Lauderdale, if you couldn't pay your bills in August and September this year, and you've been able to pay your bills for over a decade in this town, and Chucks have been able to pay their bills since the seventies, forty six years, forty six years, and they've always been able to pay. Or had the op- option to open or close. Yeah. And now they don't. The government should rescue those businesses. And that's really why I'm so pissed is, you know, you get quality restaurants. Again, mom and pops. It's been a big subject for us this season is mom and pops. Mm-hmm. And we're always talking about the importance, especially now because of COVID, of why really try to help out your mom, your local mom and pops. Because now we have to worry about, because of COVID, worry about stuff like this happening now. Well, yeah, but when we, when we gave that advice, we gave that advice based on the government um, letting us go where we wanted to eat. 
because we just assumed that that was going to be normal. Like, okay, we're going to be able to go eat now. We didn't know that the government was going to limit access. They didn't know they were going to scare the piss out of people. And then in Chuck's situation, their clientele was much older. That's what I was going to say is they have an older clientele. And the older so, folks are being warned to take heed a lot more than us younger folks from but, COVID. And therefore, the government should be more sensitive to a company like Chuck's. Yeah. Whose clientele is much older for relief. I mean, it was kind of like blanket relief, what they called small business. But a lot of big, giant businesses ate that relief money up. Yes. And there's got, not really anything left for right. a little guy. Guys that had two and three restaurants, yeah, they got, a, they got a piece of it. But they knew damn well that they weren't going to be able to survive unless they had to go back to work. And yeah. even to this day, the government's playing tug-of-war with these people's lives and their businesses and everything that they've worked for. I was going to say, you think of in Chuck's especially why I think it's is so unique is you think about four, that's almost 50 years, same owner. Can you imagine how he must be feeling right now after all this time and just being like, I have to now close my doors because of a virus. Well, and, and have you heard the argument? Have you heard the argument that, oh, well, you know, some of these businesses were under duress before COVID and that's the reason they're going. I don't buy that. I do buy that. You do? But, but I don't buy that. That wasn't the reason that they closed. COVID was the reason they closed. Yeah, yeah they were stressed before COVID because we were talking about this shit before COVID. The reason they're stressed is because they have to compete with the Olive Garden. Olive Gardens of the world. And but but again, this is what goes back to me saying why, especially Olive Garden, I get frustrated with is because I personally think that the quality of the food, not just Italian food, I just I think the quality of the food sucks. I think the quality of Chuck's food and, and most mom and pops are way far superior to these corporate chains like Olive Garden, Fridays, Applebee's. Right. But yet, like you said, they probably were stressed even before COVID, which to me is very sad because why would you, again, this is just me, why would you want to go with this chain as opposed to where well, you get better quality food and a lot of times better customer service at a mom and pop, but most people don't think that way. Well, marketing, marketing, marketing. Olive Garden has commercials on TV. When you say Olive Garden, everybody in the country knows, knows what an Olive, Olive Garden, Garden is. is. Yep. You know, that's huge marketing power. You know, that's what the small guy, that's what the mom and pop has to deal with. Yeah, because they don't have all that money to do kind of marketing campaigns. Right. Like that. And then these companies, and I'm pretty sure Olive Garden belongs to a group called Darden. They're in the same group with um, Smoky Bones and Bahama Breeze. And I think that there might be one more in there. If that's the case, then it's not Darden's. But I, I get it mixed up. But they're big public companies. And what they're able to do um, is they're able to, to the penny, figure out what the cheapest meal they can feed somebody and still get them to come back and do it again. And that's like a huge strategy for a company like Olive Garden. This mom and pop, they overcome by giving people the best quality for the least amount of money. You know what I mean? Well, so it's like, you know, they're constantly trying to figure out how to get the quality up, not the cost down. Well, you know something else that I think that works in those chains like Olive Garden that works in their favor too is for the most part, people know 
Because again, unless you're from the area, you see a mom and pop. You don't. I mean, you can't. You can't just assume that it's going to be good just because it's mom and pop. They know. They go to an Olive Garden here in Fort Lauderdale. Chances are, it's probably going to be the same consistency. It is as an Olive Garden, say, up in Massachusetts. Of course it is. Of course it is. So there's a little bit of a cushion there that people feel like. Well, at least I know what I'm getting there. Yeah, and the traveler, the traveler's always caught between a, between a rock, rock and, and a hard place, place, you know. But the coastal communities out there. The people that have coastal communities like we had here in Fort Lauderdale at one time, you have the ability to make a choice. And when you're making that choice, let the small business owner have the benefit of the doubt. Especially now. Especially now. And again, let this be a sign of what happens when you're, when you, if you're not doing it. I don't want to see another free... Like my, my biggest fear... I don't think it'll happen because their clientele is pretty good. Like if Southport raw bar went. How many years do you think Southport has left? I don't know. Now here, I really don't know. Do remember, we were in Fort Lauderdale. This isn't Jacksonville. This isn't Homosassa. This isn't friggin' Punta Gorda. This isn't Naples. People want that property. And that's what I'm worried about. Where Look at what happened. You know what? Another great example. You called me the other night and said, hey... Me and Timmy O'Connor over here at Dairy Bell. Right. And you know that that's literally a minute from my house, so I drove over and met you guys. So Dairy Bell, they opened a new location, you know, because it was in Dania. Well, explain to the audience exactly what, what Dairy, Dairy Bell, Bell is, is. So and, Dairy and Bell, who they compete with. So Dairy Bell is a, it's a mom and pop. Uh, it's owned by a, a Canadian family. And it's almost, it's almost kind of like a Dairy Queen, but better quality. You know, because my Billy... From Billy's Curbside Grill, actually used to work at Dairy Queen. That was his first job. And he said to me, you ever go there, get the ice cream. Don't ever eat the food. He goes, trust me on this one. I said, okay. <laughs> okay, Dairy so Queen. Ma- it's basically a mom and pop Dairy Queen with better quality food. So okay. they got good food and they got the Dairy Queen style ice, ice cream. Soft stuff. serve. Yes. Nice. So they now, they used to be right there on US1 in a very cool little location. They, it was like a little hut. Yep. It's cool. You it's know cool. what I mean? You know, it's funny. I was coming, you know, that's why I come home from fishing when I fish out of Hullover. Yeah. And I was going by there the other day and it was closed. And I was like, oh man, COVID got that son bitch too. No, they had to move. You know why? Because the government wanted that piece of property and, and, and kicked them out. Yeah. The, go- the government wanted it or some big, some... I believe it was, I believe it was the government because they got all these plans to redo that entire strip. No, that ain't the government. That ain't the, the government. City? That's some big friggin' REIT or something that owns all that property. They probably bought it a few years ago. I got to do more research, but I know that they were kicked out because they didn't want to move that location. No, of course they were kicked out. That, that was a staple, though, Well, and that, Dania and, Beach. And that's the type of real estate that's getting bought up all across these coastal communities. It's scary. Now, Dairy Bell, they got lucky that at least they could have a new location. And don't get me wrong, I mean, I walked in there, that was my first time going into that location. Very nice. But it still didn't have that that feel. Didn't have the mom and pop it feel. It didn't have the mom and pop feel that the other location And had. it's hard, it's in a strip mall next to a grocery store. Yeah. So, you know, to get the mom and pop feel, the only mom and pop feel it's gonna feel from that are gonna be your kids. Yeah. Because they're not gonna know any different. Yeah. Dude, you know how many times, I remember me and my friend Melissa, um, this is probably two or three years ago when I was big into the whole snook fishing on the beach. We'd go snook fishing on Dania Beach late afternoon, fish for a couple hours, walk the beach. 
and our ritual was we'd go to freaking right after we'd go to Dairy Bell. Dude, Dairy Bell was always awesome. I've been there many times, but the amount of times I would pass by that place and see a line of people Dude. standing there at the window is insane. Dude, I've seen the line literally to the point where, so you know how it was like... That you, you know, it's it's kind of like sideways. Right. You the parking lot parallel to it. I'd seen people all the way down the parking lot. I've seen it that long before. Yeah. But what? But that to me, I love seeing that because it's like people should see this and go, "Wow, they must be doing something right over there." Look at that line. They must have some pretty good food. Well, Chuck's did that for friggin' forty years. There was always a line. At, well, the last Chuck's that was that was open was there at. Uh, 17th Street. Wait, no, no, on uh, Commercial Boulevard. And if you went there, not only did they have a line, they had the, the old-style bar and lounge. And that thing was slap full. Yep. These old people having their martinis and stuff, hanging out. They can rem- remember when you used to let, like, be able to smoke in there and stuff. Yeah. It, that's the atmosphere with just without the smoke. It's kind of funny. But you would see that older clientele in there having mm-hmm. their drinks. And then there was a line. And very often when you went to chucks no matter what day it was you know 15 20 minute wait was normal 30 40 50 minute wait on the weekends not unnormal pretty much all the time and still got kicked right in the balls and i remember he i was reading the article and he said last monday they only sold 26 dinners the entire day that's insane 26 that's like that should be the first hour not the whole day, right? You yeah. know what I mean? No, no, I feel, no, I feel for him. And the government's got everybody scared to death. Or not everybody, but they got a good portion of people scared to death. You know. But it just goes to show you that the, um, I mean, the pressure that the small business guy has nowadays is unbearable. Dude, it was, everybody's it was bad ba- before COVID. Right. Everybody's back was getting ready to break. You know, now, yeah, we had a good economy, you know, and a lot of people had jobs and stuff. But well, still, people are still living paycheck to paycheck. People are living paycheck to paycheck, and it's never been so expensive. The cost for, of living. For the cost of living, it's never been more expensive to cost a business. What it costs for a salon or a restaurant. Or one of these places where people can make money at what it costs to go up to keep those places open has never been so high. You're lucky now if you can walk away with six figures. Your profit margins have never been so low. On the opposite hand, okay, as far as being a hairstylist or a massage therapist or a waiter, or I can't say for the chefs because the chefs have been taking it on the chin with salaries over the last 20 years or so. Yeah. But um, it's probably been great for them. But a lot of this, a lot of the service people, have made a lot of money yes. in their profession. Yep. Like uh, my wife has the spa and salon. There's hairdressers in there making, you know, as much as she is. Are you serious? Yes, that's true. And well, that, look at delivery drivers too. And that's what I mean. The cost that it costs to have that business open is so extreme at this point, and everybody is living off that money. The government people are living off that money. The landlords are living off that money. The insurance industry is living off that money. Everybody is basically sucking the wind, taking every last drop they can out of the mom and pop. And then you got the business owner who's left with peanuts in the end. Often. 
often. And in this day and age, which totally makes me sick to my stomach, is millennials like you often despise people that make a lot of money or their perception of making a lot of money, which totally floors me. Like when I grew up, you wanted to be like Trump. You wanted to freaking, you know, own a big business and work real hard. And you wanted the fancy freaking car and the fancy. Well, it was cool. I remember. I remember we did a podcast about this. It was. It used to be cool to make cash. It was, dude. That was like the American dream. You wanted to, you know, you wanted to grow up and be a businessman and make a whole bunch of dough and, you know, have your things or whatever. And nowadays, people just assume that people that make money. Are bad people. They have Dude. these weird biases against them. They're friggin' yeah. It's just listen, weird shit going I've on. I've met. Listen, I've met wealthy folks that are jerk offs. I've also met a lot of wealthy folks that are very nice, and I respect their drive and their work ethic. The percentage is the same. You get the same amount of jerk offs in all categories. Yeah, of, not just rich, even poor right, too. I income, mean, I've met free, yeah, income levels really doesn't matter. You're going to have a percentage of people that. Or not what you would call the best people. Yeah. You can have some people. It is what it is. Right. All different crimes and scams and things that people do all across the board as far as income levels and where they came from in society. Yeah. There's nothing to do with it. No. Nothing. No. I I have a theory about why my generation, why a lot of them tend to hate the very rich. I think because quite frankly, a lot of them are jealous because a lot of them are lazy as hell. And they don't have the drive to go out and actually try to make a lot of money and try to become successful. I think a lot of it might be a jealousy thing, and the only way they know how to deal with it is basically bash the person. I don't know. I don't know. A I have, theory. Yeah, that's a theory. I, I have no clue. I have no. I have no clue what these kids are taught in college anymore. They come out of college, and I talk to them and stuff, and I'm like, so where, where are you at? Let me tell you something. I um, one of my friends, Jamie. She was working. Uh, she went to St. Thomas University down there in Miami. Right. She was working as an assistant professor and she was dealing with seniors. Okay, seniors in college. And she's, she, so she has great papers and everything. She said, Stephen, she goes, the amount of seniors in college that have no clue how to read, write, is scary, scary and pathetic. Really? Don't even know how to write or read. See, I figured they knew how to read and write. I just thought they were reading and writing about whatever weird subjects that really made no, no sense in the world. She was like, these people, she was, I literally felt like, like, like a fifth grader have written some of these, these essays. Hmm. I mean, it's, it, that's not I, good. Was, I was very lucky at FAU, you know, our, our communications program, it was hard. And they forced us to learn how to become better writers because in their in their philosophy was if you can become a better writer it will help you become a better speaker and i actually do believe that because the two do go hand in hand well yeah yeah but i had but let me tell you something jeff i had fa i had friends that went to fsu and did their communications program couldn't write a paper or speak for the life of them you're gonna get all the fsu people all fired up now that's all right <laughs> you're gonna get all pissed off with the Seminoles, dude. What it was are all saying? If we're not pissing people off, you know, we're gonna piss some people. If we're not pissing people off, if we're not striking a core, we're not doing our job. But Chuck's probably isn't going to be the last one that we see here in Fort Lauderdale, and that's what I'm worried about. <laughs> but people out there in the audience, if you have a, a a mom and pop restaurant in your town that you couldn't imagine not having in your town, 
Give us an email. Give me an email. Jeff at LunkerDog.com or... Or hit me up on Instagram. Send me a DM. It's at Stephen Busak on Instagram. Let us know. Yeah. Although, let me tell you something. Going back to Southport Raw Bar, when you were saying how many people probably want that land. Right. The quality of the water over there in that canal doesn't get better. I don't think anybody would want that. Dude, some New Yorker, they'll build a condo on there. Some New Yorker will live down there and look at it. They'll be just fine with it. You know, it's just a matter of, you know. One thing about Fort Lauderdale is we always got somebody that's going to fill the seat. You know what I mean? And uh, it's not always the person we want. Right. But anyway, Chuck's Steakhouse goes down. It's another mom and pop here in Fort Lauderdale that we're all going to miss. And try to go out to your mom and pop and make sure it doesn't happen to them. And thanks for tuning in to the Real Guy Podcast. I'm Captain Jeff. That's the Shepherd or Bonefish Busaka. Oh, my God. He just renamed himself. No, no, no. We're, remember, we're, we're trying to get to that point. Dude, you can't rename yourself. <laughs> Regardless. Everybody else is calling me it. Who? I'll show you my Instagram, dude. Oh, my God. Dude, you got to do something beside Instagram. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, thanks, thanks for, for tuning, tuning in. in and run that dog. Run that dog. <laughs>